Welcome to episode 777 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 777 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? This is a lucky show. If you, if you live in Asia, it's triple oh, sevens. sevens don't they? Oh, yeah. Is triple seven like I know seven's lucky? Is triple sevens even lucky? Like more uh, sevens better? Plenty of sevens is lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of sevens is lucky. Tell you what, it's the first time ever we've had a first today, John. We have. We're both under blankies. Blanket time. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little bit of a, a little bit of a storm rolling in, and Bevan's uh, failure to turn the heater on means um, it's on now. I've got uh, a little bit of frostbite happening in my fingers right now. Um, my wife, I do. Do you have do you have blankets in your lounge? Yes, blankets on the couches. I'd never done it until I met my wife. Mm. What are the best things you can ever do? It is blankets on the edge of your couch. But so John's t- got turning on the heater would be a good idea. I've turned the heater on. Yeah, you have now, but yeah, we have another fifty. Blank. I reckon the blanket's going to be here for another twenty-five minutes. Yeah, the hands, my hands. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons, Duncan Danger Penfold. We've got Sean the Porno Barnes, Mark Steely Thatcher, and then uh, Andrew Stormtrooper Gilmore. This week's show, we've got some news, hot topic of the week, age group of the week, coach's corner, website of the week, wanger of the week. Question. It's an old school show. It is questions and answers at the end. John, we had Iron Man called Lane over the weekend, and what happened with Lionel Sanders? Lionel Sanders blew up. Let's not talk about him too much because we want to focus on those awesome performances by firstly Carrie Lester, 40 years old. She swam 55, rode a 448, came through on the run with a 306.31 to win an 854.50. Um, I'm sure the, the bike was a new course record. I don't know if overall was, but solid day. And Fenella Langridge on debut, <coughs> pretty impressive. She faded a bit on the run. She actually looked pretty good. So I didn't see the tail end of the run, but she was looking good early on. Uh, she had 859.49, so solid for her too. Uh, and just third but fastest run split of the day was Lindsay Corbin. What I'm going to say about this race, it was exceptionally hot. It was predicted to be hot and it delivered. So uh, was, I think it was in three digits in terms of Fahrenheit for okay. and for us uh, in centigrade, it's the high 30s sort of bumping on 40 degrees which is smoking that, hot. I get that for an Ironman. Yeah, I can like it in an Olympic distance that'd be hard work. Mm. In an Ironman? In the run and the peak hour. Oh. This race did start extraordinarily early. The pros were starting at 5 o'clock in the morning. Jeez, really? Um, <laughs> now that must be the, the earliest for an Ironman branded race. Must be. I mean, it looked, I, I didn't really watch much of the swim, but it looked like it was light enough. So it's a, an early sunrise. Um, but yeah, five o'clock start. Bloody hell, you're having breakfast at three. You're probably getting up at yeah. two, one yeah. thirty, two o'clock. Um, so good on them. So really good race by for now. Just Langridge one comment on the females field, John. Uh, competed in number six, Rachel McBride. Her nickname, her name's Rachel McBride. Her nickname is... Rage. It's it's the original one. <laughs> so that's a good one. So the men's side of things, what happened? Sam Long took it out. Sam Long took it out. Uh, his solid race, f- solid race all round. And and you got to f- remember the first first and second places here. They're big units like Sam Long. What does he call himself? I think he calls himself the big unit. Yeah. Uh, his swim is really is his Achilles heel. Fifty four thirteen is not fast swimming. Bike. Uh, Four eighteen is a solid bike, and then uh, solid run. Had it. 
relatively comfortable on the, the latter stages of the run so it didn't really need to pump it too hard 251 in uh, extremely hot conditions for an 807.39 um, which I think also might have been a course record Justin Metzler, a bit of a breakthrough race for him we had him on the show hmm, last must have been last year it was uh, it's the first time he's really performed really really well at nine man, uh, and so he's got his ticket to Kona which he was pretty emotional about because uh, he's wanted to get there for, for a long time since he started triathlon and the veteran Pedro, Pedro Gomes got third place um, with a solid performance and also will get his ticket to Kona. So, so there was, was going to be three slots for Kona here and uh, Sam Long already had his so it rolled down to the next place getter which was Jason Pohl. So the so the probably the biggest news out of this race is that Sanders didn't qualify and he hasn't qualified yet. Now two things around this. Does this affect the, the Frodino race? Well, you'd think so. So I guess he's got to save him. He's got to, he's got to qualify. Yeah. So we've got to see. Uh, got to see what happens. It just seems bizarre that he'll still go ahead with it, but he may well do. Because, but he's somewhere something's going to go crap because he's, if he's going to do this race against uh, Fredino on July eighteenth, I think it is. Got to fit another Ironman either before or after that. Well, it's not, it's, it can't happen before it, can it? I wouldn't have thought so. Because you got you know he's only got basically two weeks. Mm. So it's not going to happen next week. And then he's got to qualify and then race Kona. But on the flip side of that, so what basically happened, it sounded like he had a nutritional meltdown. Um, he had a good. He said he was in fantastic shape, had a good swim, good bike, and he was um, riding. He, he actually ran up to Sam Long uh, and caught him up on the run. Uh, it was inside halfway and then completely blew to pieces. Um, wasn't pacing error or anything like that. He just said nutrition, complete okay. nutritional... Um, Cock up! He didn't really know what went wrong, so I didn't actually realise that he finished until a bit later on because he was he was. I thought, yeah, he's not going to win now, and he was sort of. Oh, he's not going to get second, but he should be able to hang on to third. I oh, should be able to hang on to oh, fourth. Really? So he just blew up. But a two a three fifty three. So good on him for finishing. Um, but really, was it? Sorry. Well, was it good on him for finishing? You know, like he's a pro. well. That's what he felt. He. It's. I know. It's, I know. It's that nice thing of you know. It's nice to see the pros finish, but he's got to get to Kona. Mm. You know and. Mm. Admittedly, Sanders should be able to turn up to a few races that are still left on the calendar and qualify. But you do get that moment when pressure starts to build. Oh, totally. And this was a... He didn't need to perform that well to actually qualify here. No disrespect to the other guys, but he could have just shut it down on the run and run... God, he probably could have run like a close to three hours and he probably would have been uh, probably would have been okay. So, yeah, he's going to have to get that nutrition right. But on the same side... He's got to get it right for Kona, so I suppose if he gets two more Ironman races, if he's not that smoked from it, then at least you go into Kona going, okay, I've refound my nutritional formula. Yeah, but, but traditionally, we'll, you know, and I know this has been kind of proven in the last few years, but traditionally you've said, you know, you, you get that mid-July race, mm-hmm. and after if you go after that, you're screwed. Usually, yeah. You know, and he's done this one. If he does do the Fredino thing... And then he's got to do another Ironman. So mm. realistically, in, a, in a, like a six-week period, he's doing three Ironmen. I wonder. If I now, one thing you could say is last weekend probably didn't damage the body as much. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's interesting. Imagine just, if he doesn't qualify. Yeah, well, so what means more to him? Going up against Jan Fredino? No, he's got to get into qualifying. qualifying. Ten years from now, no, no one remembers him versus Fredino. And unless, but I still don't think people will remember unless he went goes 
7.25 against Fredino and beats him, then people will remember it, but I'm sure as hell think he'd probably prefer to have a Kona title than that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Just in terms of other races that he could potentially Yeah, how many are left? Do. So I was just pulling that up. So what do we got? Uh, Lanzarote, which is this weekend, he won't be doing that. I'm in UK this weekend, he won't be doing that. I'm in Lake Placid, that's about it. And that's going to be a week after. Well, that's it, for qualifying. Oh, so this is for the Collins Cup, sorry. Oh. So you have Lake Placid, but that's 25th of July. Um, there's plenty of September races. No, September's but, too late, but that might be, yeah, I don't know when the cutoff is. It's normally, it's normally like Wisconsin was always. Sort of, sort of end of August. Yeah. So there'll be a few more August races he could possibly do. But then that's getting, and is he going to do 7.3 champs? <clears throat> True, 70.3 worlds. Yeah. Because you know, if he does a hard Ironman and, because that's a, the way they've gone back to the qualification system now. For all of those guys who want to get to Kona, their last couple of races, yeah. they might actually be strong fields. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you're a betting man, you can put your money on Sanders. Yeah. But it's fascinating. It's interesting stuff. Okay, we also had the 70.3 European Championships happen and uh, no Daniela Reef. But I tell you what, Lucy Charles Barkley is turning into a complete athlete, isn't she? She is indeed. So this was in Elsinore in uh Denmark, I think it is. So, yeah, Lucy Charles ran a 118.04. Won the swim, won the bike, won the run. run. Now, Holly Lawrence is an awesome athlete. She did race the weekend before, so give her some credit for finishing in second place and only only five minutes behind, which is not it's, – it's a big margin, but she raced the week, weekend before and she had to travel you know, halfway around the world. So, yeah, but, you know, she's running really well and we know she can swim, we know yeah, she can bike. That's, that, that's been the added part this year, mm. isn't it? That, that run in the ITU and this run today, mm. you know, like it's good. So don't know why Danielle Reef didn't race. Uh, she wasn't talked about in the pre-race stuff, but she was on the start list the week before. But that would have been quite an interesting race, I think. Uh, Did you watch the thing that um, PTO released about the greatest of all time? I have not watched it. I've seen it um, produced. So if you want some footage when you're on the train, the PTO are just pumping out stuff there. I watched it. I thought it was interesting they called it that. Mm. The greatest of all time? Daniela Reef? Yeah. It's right up there. Yeah, but I don't mm. think she's there yet. Mm. Paula's got to be the greatest, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Paula didn't have the chance to do 70.3 Worlds and things like that. And what that, was that she adds, like at the half distance? It wasn't such a thing well, then, was really it? wasn't really a thing then, no. yeah. Um, but and Paula was... She was just the Queen of Kona. Yeah. Not just, she was awesome elsewhere. Did, but, but did she win a lot of races elsewhere? Uh, yeah, quite a few. I mean, yeah, it's hard to know. There's not a lot of media about a lot of the other stuff that she did. No. So, but she was awesome in Kona. Uh, so Eight Lucy, times, come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Holly Lawrence was in second place there, and uh, we had good race on the boys' side as well. George Goodwin. George Goodwin. Uh, he ran a 108.30, coming off a 201 bike. Did have to run down Kiwi Kyle Smith, who put on a noteworthy performance. So uh, what, he, what happened? He, he was lead, had the f- fastest swim, fastest bike, uh, and he still ran a 112, which is not horrendous, but it did sound like the wheels came off a little bit, and he'd had a bike crash um, very recently before the race. So he got uh, he ended up in fifth place, um, but had a two-minute lead on some weapons off the bike. So still pretty uh, noteworthy. He outrode you know, guys like Mag- Magnus Ditlev and Rudy Von Berg, who was... You know, second off the bike, first or second off the bike in the St George race. So, Kyle Smith has um, proved he can yeah, play can, with the big can boys. Can he run that, that, that next level speed those guys are? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so more, the wheels just not, maybe not a one hundred and eight, but uh, he goes for it on the bike and okay. sees what's in the tank on the run. But one twelve is not horrendous. 
but he is a 109 is possible. Mm. Okay. Uh, so Rudy von Berg was second and Jan Stratman was third and that was the 70.3 European champs. We also had the Challenge uh, European Championships as well, so the ETU. Uh, what happened there, John Berg? Nicholas Spurig beat the Ironman world champion Anne Haug, who really? still had, she said she had a, didn't have a great run. She still ran a one fifteen, which was a couple of minutes quicker than anybody else, but sounded like she struggled a bit on the bike and got dominated in the swim. So Nicholas Spurig, I assume she's going to the Olympics. So kind of interesting that she's doing a half Ironman race um, yeah, this four, close to the four weeks out. But the old Brett Sutton technique seems to... Oh, she trained under Brett, did she? Yeah, so I'm sure if she goes to the Olympics, uh, she is going to be in the mix. Uh, so Anne Haug was second there uh, and there was a distant third. Uh, and the boys' side, Frederick Funk took it out uh, a couple of minutes in front of Thomas Steger, who is also an electric runner, running a 108.35 and Bart Arnott's in third so that Thomas Steger from Austria is consistently laying down some smoking fast runs uh, that when that was at Challenge Welshie which looks like a beautiful race uh, and it was ETU champs kind of silly that you have ETU half Ironman champs yeah. on the same day as the 70.3 world champs or or 70.3 European champs uh, we also had uh, the refs free Williamsburgs uh, Emma Pallant took that out in the females and Andrew Starkowitz in the, in the male race <laughs> Starkowitz has like a six minute lead off the bike it's just awesome the way he rides he needed it too but he only won by 40 seconds yeah you know 37 seconds so he basically ran a 119.27 uh, Jackson Laurie uh, laundry. laundry he did a 113.38 so oh, sorry uh, yeah so he only won by basically 37 seconds in the end so but hey when you can buy it like that maybe you're allowed to run like that it's totally. absolute beasting isn't it okay other news uh, Gwen Jorgensen US Olympic trials. We're, we're looking, yeah. So US Olympic trials. She ran a fifteen fifty for the US Olympic trials. Ninth overall. Disappointing. Her PB is five fifteen oh eight. Then didn't DNF in the ten thousand. Her PB was thirty one, which would get her where? Uh, her PB, I think, would have had her about ninth or something like that. It was sort of in that range. Sort of. I'm really curious about her through nine. Yeah, you know, she's not going to make it, is she? So no. So, her, and it's her life, and yeah. good on her. But man, she was Olympic gold medalist. Mm. Uh, so she is a better triathlon runner than she is a pure runner based off what we've seen so far. And it's easy to put the foot in, guy. I told you so. She just went for it. Good on her. Oh, but, totally. uh, but she's she's not there. She's not really that close. Um, and Do you think she'll – because how old is she? Uh, don't know the answer to that. Do you think we'll see her in a sport again? In what, triathlon? Yeah. No, I think that ship sailed. So okay. so her run, her run has improved from her triathlon days, but not to a standard where – you know, she's she's good national level, but she's not international level, and she's no, no, so nowhere I was an Olympic gold medalist, mm. and and the marathon dream because it was always good at marathon, wasn't it? That was the original mm. goal. If if I was the Olympic gold medalist, and go to the Olympics just to do a marathon, I know, she was there to, to try to go for an Olympic gold. That yeah, was that was her in the marathon. Yeah, it was never realistic, was it? Oh, I don't think so. But that was her. That was her. Aspirations, so because she was she was she was dominating the dojo, mm. she was a beast. But she, if, the, if the fire's gone out for triathlon, which it, it had done, um, and you don't want to finish, and her passion was running, go for it. But I, I agree. I mean, I don't know anybody that thought she was actually going to do it. But God, I don't know for giving her a crack. 
Yeah, but yeah, hey, I, I thought life. she would have done better than what she's done, and it just sounds like she hasn't performed to the levels that she's wanted to. Consistently hasn't performed, and there's a lot of pressure on you when you when you're an Olympic champion. You've still got lots of big sponsors. You got a lot of eyeballs on you, but pro athletes you know have to deal with that pressure. But she just consistently hasn't performed. Well, and that's also like if we look at the professional decision around it financially. You know, like if she had stayed in triathlon, she'd be making big dollars. Mm. You know, whereas I can't imagine she's making a lot as a no. kind of third-tier runner. Well, not third-tier, but, you know, like, mm. you know, that next level. Okay, so we did get some explanation around what's happening between Challenge and Clash. So basically the the underlying of it is that Clash is its own little organisation and they were licensing the Challenger brand and Clash are the people, they have an association with Daytona and NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And so basically they like they like the idea of doing the track races mm-hmm. and they kind of just thought being under the Challenge brand wasn't necessarily going to help them do what they want to do because they didn't want to just be a triathlon thing they want to do lots of races that maybe do athlon or just other mountain bike events and so on so it wasn't that they've got rid of it, was, it wasn't that challenges disappeared it's just clash is no longer using a challenge license so that's the end i mean they're still qualifying for challenge championship races and yep. so on but it's the end of challenge in america isn't it Unless they find another organization. It doesn't look like it's the end of the races that we've seen in terms of Daytona, Miami. They sound like they're still going to go ahead and and they're they're really going to diversify into into other areas of events and kind of not necessarily always stick to the traditional format of swim, bike, run. It might be a bit of multi-sport type stuff or duathlon and just trying to offer something for everybody um, but under their own brand rather than the the Challenge brand. So it's a shame that Challenge have... Lost that, and their business model with the licensing doesn't give them a lot of control over their events um, you know, in terms of long term. And we've seen this happen before, um, so it's a shame. So fingers crossed that things still go awesomely, and we have Daytona and Miami, and some because they're great races. The, the pros seem to like them; they're good for TV, um, and hopefully they continue. Well, and then this slow twitch. I think the article was on, and they kind of made the comment at the end of it was that all clash just become no one of these kind of people who come into the game with big ideas mm. and ultimately don't survive and fingers crossed they don't because we want people doing great work don't we mm. but it'll be interesting to watch moving forward okay i mean uk is coming up this weekend it's got a 100k prize purse interesting john just as i was looking at the notes here uh 2009 philip graves and bella bayless nice jeepers creepers bella bayless she was a beast of an athlete wasn't she she is pretty sure she's got a at least one child now these days. Yeah, Se- seem to spend a lot of time in old Lanzarote, which is also happening this weekend. But it's hard to predict what's going to happen here because you don't re- the races these days. You don't really know who's going to be rocking up with all the travel restrictions. So Great Britain aren't letting every Tom, Dick, and Harry into the country by the sound of it um, for this event. So it's uh, you know the Poms are going to be there. So Joe Skipper uh, kind of qualified already, and he kind of needs a good race, I think, because he's uh, didn't race fantastically in Tulsa I think he was about fifth or so so it was okay and he has he's done a bunch of halves that have been some been okay some been terrible uh, so I think he'll be pretty fired up to have a good good race there um, Nils Frumholm was down to race Sam Laidlow who won a long distance race a few weeks ago Tim Don still ranked highly because of his um, past record but I can't imagine him threatening the podium too much and Nick Castelline who's um had some podiums this year as well, along with Matt Trotman. So it's a pretty good field if everybody rocks up. But as I said, kind of hard to know what's going to go on. One name that is down there that could um, could do something if gets across here is Peter Hemerick. So a very good 70.3 athlete. 
And on the female side, it is a pretty small field, and you've got four or five uh, poms there, some GBR athletes. Kat, Morris, uh, Kat Matthews is backing up from doing Tulsa, where she had a great race against uh, Daniela Reef, Nikki Bartlett, and Chantal Cummings. Um, and then the other interesting one on the female side is Lisa Norden. Um, I thought she had done nine, man. Maybe she started one and hasn't finished, but... If she gets it right on the day, uh, she could be an absolute weapon. Just good, good all across the board, and uh, former Olympics, uh, yeah, Olympic yeah. medalist, sprint finish in London, I think it was. That was sprint finish was a funny one because when you saw it, it looked like it was a draw. Mm. And even on the photo finish, it was pretty close, wasn't it? It was. Uh, and the other thing with this, Bevan said, $100,000, that's big for Ironman Racing. It's sponsored by the Super Sapiens, um, oh, yeah. which I might have said last week or the week before. I don't know if I did. But they've actually, the, the UCI have banned them in uh, pro cycling uh, in terms of use within races. Now, what was it again? I can't remember what uh, it was. So it's a gluco, blood glucose live That's meter right. reader. So it's like you got the. So why are they banning it? Uh, I didn't actually see the justification for it. So, yeah, so you can't use those in races anymore. But I've seen plenty of triathletes uh, using them in terms well, of. Well, I reckon they'll have to be used in Ironman. I think so. That sponsorship really I helps. I think so. <laughs> I think if you, if you sponsor the whole organisation, you get your rules working. You imagine if they ban them. Yeah. <laughs> major sponsor, Super Sapiens, banned an Iron Man. However, I don't know what happens if uh, World Triathlon, see, I got it right for a change, yeah. not ITU, if they ban them. <clears throat> but do they have their own rules? Well, I th- normally Iron Man. Oh, it varies a bit from yeah, country, country to country. country. Yeah. Normally, you've got to uh, operate under the rules of whatever country you are racing in. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay, uh, Lanzarote and also Bella Ballas took it out two times. Nice. So she's a bit of a legend, old Bella. Uh, what have we got happening here, Jumbo? Last time the race was held, which I think was 2019, uh, Freddie Van Laird and his sort of swan song took it out by four minutes. Uh, Nikki Bartlett took out the females race, but also by four minutes. Now, this happened last time as well. Twenty five thousand dollars. Why would yeah. you go and do this race when you if you if you can For get to Ironman UK? Um, so twelve and a half thousand each. Yeah, that's like yeah, it's pretty creepy, isn't it? You go in there to try to get a kind of slot. And how many slots? Uh, are there? Two, two mo. So there's four slots. And four each. I guess you get some press. You get some prestige. You, it is only paying six deep. Yeah, but you've got to be getting something from your sponsors because that is not worth turning up for. Well, I'll tell you what, look, plenty of athletes are. We've got over 50 men in the race. and That is crazy. Yeah, about 20 females. A lot of asterisks there where people Lisa are. Lisa doing two races this weekend. Yeah, a lot of asterisks is where people are registered. Like Patrick Nielsen is seed number one. He was down to race uh, at the weekend in Coeur Lane, but didn't turn up. So that's that. We talked about Lionel Sanders racing last weekend. We said he's going to have to race pretty hard. It's a stacked field. To end, it ended up not being that stacked because Cody Beale sort of bombed out and and uh, Patrick Nielsen didn't turn up. But he's uh, he's down to race. He's said number one in front of Andy Boucherer and Nils Fromholm, who's also listed for uh, Ironman UK. But good, strong field. Plenty of athletes double listed. Matt Trotman, Nick Castellane, Ivan Rana still uh, cranking it out. I, I believe it's... relatively easy to get to Lanzarote and and, uh, so I imagine this will have a much bigger field than what we see in the UK because every time you go to Kona we go to Kona he's still 
And he, he doesn't really do anything there, but he's always mm. racing, isn't he? Mm. Uh, uh, John's... Oh, so, no, no, it's, it's, uh, races happening. No, the, the other one to mention there uh, is making his pro debut, I think it is, is Adam Hansen, who is the ex-cyclist, uh, along with another name there that I recognise, um, Kenneth Vanderslice. Now, he, he's a really good duathlete, and he was doing extremely well on the, the Zwift Pro Tri series. Uh, so a few interesting names to, to pop up there. On the female side, I'm very excited to see how Jocelyn McCauley goes, because on her day, when everything's humming, she is one of the fastest athletes in the world. Um, and so hopefully she gets her Kona, Kona ticket because um, she's yet to, you know, she's an athlete. I don't think she'd win Kona, but would not be at all surprised to see her get on the podium when she gets it all right. Uh, Simone Mitchell and Laura Sedell. Interesting, Laura Sedell is going over there as opposed to being in the UK. Um, but yeah, good, good strong field. And if Lisa Norton turns up at that one, Equally, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. Okay, a couple of small races happening, John. We have indeed. Uh, there's quite a few this weekend. We've got the, the Chi Tri Man in France. We've got the Fries Man in the Netherlands. Uh, the Stone Brixia Man in Italy. I had a quick look at that one. Another one of these X-Tri races. They go over the Gavier Pass in uh, Italy. Looks stunning. Uh, and then we've also got the Triathlon X, another race up in the UK. Uh, we've got a race in... Ukraine, the Ukraine Iron Triathlon, and I don't know if this one's going ahead, the Canada Man Extreme, there's not a lot happening in Canada at the moment, and the Bastion in the UK, so plenty of non-branded races happening this weekend. Good luck to everyone racing them. John, we've also got IT update, but it's not much happening now, we are four weeks out from the Olympics, so what's going to be happening in the Olympics, John? So just in terms of dates, so people can get their, their sort of calendar set up, the the boys race is on Monday the 26th of July, 9.30am uh, New Zealand oh, time. Perfect for yeah. us. Sunday in the UK, you guys will have a late night, so on 10.30pm, New York 5.30pm and LA 2.30pm. So most people, yeah, it's a it's little bit of a late well. night in the UK, but not, you know, you're only staying up till just past hey, midnight. Last week I got no sleep. Um, you'll hear about that later on. Yeah. The females races the next day on the 27th and then the relays on the 31st. And now, the same times for the, all the races? Uh, the females race is the same. The men's race, uh, the, the mixed relay is one hour later on Saturday. So start time in Japan is like 6.30 So we'll actually be recording the podcast as no, the female race No, we won't be. <laughs> <laughs> or sometime around there. Yeah. Um, however, hot off the press, about 30 minutes ago, New Zealand have announced their Olympic team, which was um, relatively predictable. But we've got, so we've got Hayden Wild, clear, yep. easy selection. Second place, we've got our second guy is Sam Ward, who is a top tenner on the world circuit. Uh, he's a really good athlete. But then our next athlete is Taylor Reid, who's not as good but he's probably better at the mixed relay because he's okay. a much better swimmer and they've gone for the team so, option. Okay, uh, so we've got three athletes. I didn't realise we qualified three. No, no, we've only got two. So, oh. so Sam Ward has not made it and he's not even the reserve. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I'll get to the bottom of that. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. so they picked Taylor Reid. Yeah, so they picked the, essentially the third. So why is Taylor Reid better in teams? Well, he's, he can dig you out of a hole because he's a really good swimmer. Oh. Uh, so if he goes last leg and say you're 15 seconds down to the group, he can swim up that group and jump on them and then actually get pulled through on the bike and, and likely okay. will we'll finish higher. So whereas Sam Ward is a much better runner, so in the individual race, almost guarantee Sam Ward would have finished higher if he's in shape. Now, will they use um, Reed as a domestique? Uh I would hope so. <laughs> I yeah. don't think that Hayden Wild needs domestique, but but Wild is Wild's a good swimmer, isn't he? No, not really. Yeah, so he might need him. Yeah, so he he, he may do. Yeah. Um, so 
don't know if they're going to use them as domestique. They have to, I don't certainly they? would hope so. That's like, mate, you're not getting the medal. It's, Do it's, your job. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they are. Surely he understands that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the female side was was a, a relatively clear cut. We had two females, but our third female was a bit of an enigma, um, and they went for the for the top two. But if you're um, a betting man, what, what country would you put your money on for the what? races? Uh, well, I'd put it on. It's a really good question, actually. I'm always full of good questions, mate. Because Vincent Louis is that famous French athlete that I couldn't <laughs> remember. You know, he outside of well, he hasn't done much this year, but he's he's probably the favourite. But then you got Alex Yee, yeah, you got Hayden Wilde. Yeah, he's nowhere. Uh, so, well, you're, you're saying Wilde's up there as one of the favourites. Yeah, and then you have not seen Maria Mola, who prior to COVID was the fastest runner in the sport. So it could be a really, really interesting race. I think that a breakaway might happen, and if that sticks, then it goes to Vincent Louis. If it doesn't, if a breakaway doesn't stick, then it certainly falls in the in Alex Yee oh. and Hayden Wilde's lap. Oh, do you think the breakaway they weren't, they weren't getting the breakaway? They won't get in the breakaway, uh, and if the breakaway stays away, they're screwed. Oh, okay. Good uh, times. Okay, good times. Olympics. Well, I'm pretty excited. As much as I've said this quite a few times now, don't know if it should, I agree. It should be going ahead. I'm so excited. I can't wait yeah. to watch it. Okay, this week's discussion. We're kind of just asking what kind of questions should we be, non-stock standard questions we should be asking pros when we interview them. And I'm going to go first. David Hale, in the triathlon world, what do they fear the most? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Thierry Bissardi, the dirty little secret. What's your favourite training session? Here's a good one. Ian Dawson's got what's the most calories they can eat in one sitting. What I did I mean, mate? I was a beast eater. Right. Oh, mate. Like, like I, I, it's just I think about what I eat in a day, and I'd still have like eight hot cross buns as a snack. Mm. Oh, King of carbs. King of carbs. Uh, Mick Simpson, do they have any mantras that they use in the tough times? What are the non-negotiable behaviours that people around them need to have? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and Gildas Jubilius has got. Um, Tried to put your little accent on there, didn't you? Yeah, well, I was just giving <laughs> a bit of names. Uh, how, many, how much can they squat in just three oh, reps? Who cares about that stuff? Oh, no. I imagine most of pro athletes are doing strength work. Yeah. Uh, Christine McKinley, the grinder. I'm going for, for a bit of grinding this week with Chrissy. Uh, how do you have your coffee, as in latte, black, flat white, etc.? Sally Bryson's got what leg do you put the most amount of focus on? Shane Chubb, what's your favourite course? Whoa, Hopefully, you can hear us dark. over the wind that's pummeling into the side of Evan's house. It's outside of our house right now. Uh, Rich Baker Walker's got a worst piece of advice they've given, been given since by someone who should know better. That's a good one. Uh, Steve Diodonis, mileage or kilometres run a week on average? Oh, then we've met up. Ah, there we go. Brian Dunn, boxes or briefs? Don't know about the girls. Don't know how many girls wear boxes, but. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll adapt to all those questions, John. I'll take a few. I was, I was, well, yeah. What do you reckon was a good question? Uh, I quite like the uh, the grinder one. How do you like your coffee? I know people are always interested in that, but also Mick Simpsons, do they have any mantras that they use in the tough times? And Terry Bestudy, what's your favourite session? I've got one. I've got one. Mm-hmm. If there was a fictional character that represented you as an athlete, oh, who would it be? Who would yours be? Sorry. I don't know. Superman. 
<laughs> I'd be the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Don't get me angry. <sighs> um, okay, this week's discussion. What pro athletes have left the world of triathlon and been successful in other professional sports? Tell you one that hasn't. <laughs> well, that's it's where this harsh. came from. Is Have any pro triathletes, think sh- probably more short course, have they actually gone off? And they don't necessarily have to have been a champion. I, I, have they been, like, we can't talk about it because it's next week's discussion, but there's no obvious ones. No, I bet you there's some that are sort of second, third tiers that might have gone off and yeah. had a career. Uh, and, and I know there's a few have gone off and done okay at marathoning, so they don't. I don't. I don't know any that have gone off and been a champion in another sport. No. Now people will say Lance Armstrong, and yes, he did do triathlon, and then he went across. Oh, well, that is the answer. So that is that is the answer. And, and he was a great champion. Yeah. Oh, role model. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there have been a few others also that have made a transition specifically to cycling or marathon running, and they've made sort of trials teams and things like that. Maybe um, a better question or a question actually, we can no, do in the I've got a couple. They yeah. didn't actually make the transition, but they've had some reasonable running results. I so, reckon maybe is what are the most interesting sports pro athletes have come from? Okay. You know, like, so like, for example... You put that down for next week. Okay, well, you, you can remember to do that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Because that's what's really interesting when we... And it's one of the things that long course triathlon... People can start a little bit later and they can come from mm-hmm. completely different sports. And then you think of all the pro interviews we've done over the years, and when we start off their history, many of them come from those random sports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not always just swim kids. Yep. You know, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Chris McDonald, he used to play hockey Who? as a kid. Chris McDonald, used yeah. to play hockey. Yeah, I was a rugby league player. Yeah. Although I never really matched <laughs> massive heights in triathlon. Okay, age, age group of the week. week. Uh, good old Amanda, was it? I think it's Amanda. Martin. Mandy Tower. She sent through this week's age grouper and she was saying basically Kevin Ferguson. She says, for a long time we've been thinking about a great interview, uh, South Australian athlete and huge local renowned Kevin Ferguson. He's just uh, had just the week gone by being awarded the Queen's Birthday Honour for services to triathlon. Has that ever happened in New Zealand? Has John got one? Uh, Bevan Doherty, I'm sure Bevan and Hamish Carter have both got, they, they definitely have got um, something. some something. Yep. And okay. does Locker Hellman's have one? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, which is pretty bloody cool because he's not an Olympic medalist. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, for someone like him to get recognised mm-hmm. in the Queen's birthday honour list, which is, I think he's Australian, so obviously... So, so for, for the non-Commonwealth countries, basically each year, or a couple of times a year, you have your honours list, which is... Well, you, comes so out the Sir, birthday. if you hear a Sir, Richard Hadley or Sir, so on, mm. that's where they get the names, but there's levels of that. Mm. So the Sir is kind of like the ultimate. Well, no, it's the second ultimate in New Zealand. Ultimate? The ultimate in New Zealand is that the... Order, order, of order of New Zealand, and oh. you've got to wait till someone dies before you can get on that list. Oh. And there's only ever either 10 or 20 living people who get it at any one time. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not something sports people get. It's oh. reserved for... Politicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pat themselves on the back. Uh, and then... Um, Let's carry on with Ke- yeah. Kevin Ferguson. He, he's a legendary athlete. But she's carry basically on. listed a few of his achievements. So first of all, and I read the article about this, so when he was, unfortunately, I think as... as Dad died at 55, someone else died at five. He just had some pretty tragic things happen around the number five in his life. So when he was turning 55, I think this is back in 2014, he fundraised $55,000 for for five years of five. So turning 55, he completed five Ironmen, tried to raise 55000 for cancer research and a memory of his mum who lost a battle of cancer on the 5th 
of January. Uh, he qualified for Kona with his friend, the quadriplegic Sib James. Uh, Kevin has an outstanding record wins in Ironmans and half distance. He's a bit of a beast, actually. Oh, we carry on, but I'll give you a bit of his record in a moment. It's oh, far out, Brussels sprout. Uh, she's just saying, I would. Uh, she was kind of suggesting we give him for an interview, maybe before, but basically just saying he's a bit of a legend. Wow, what's she got here? One of the challenges of moving from being a top age group athlete to training and racing with Sid when Kevin and Sid finished Brusselton Ironman in 2018. It was probably the first race Kev had been out of the, out in the dark. In the, the recovery tent, all of the athletes stood up and clapped as he came into the room. It was one of the more moving things I've seen. So you go into his beast athlete Well, firstly, so he's... You, doesn't come from a strong sporting background. Uh, 25 years ago, Ferguson was a beer-swilling, cigarette-smoking country footballer working on locks and staying in pubs on the River Murray. Uh, so he's not come from a high-performance background. And his record here, it's, it's off Coach Cox. Uh, it, it's basically, he's probably doing around about five races a year or so. Yeah. And it's almost all It was all podiums. Yeah. There's... there's like, so five races a year, there's one three in there. He got third of the 27 world champs in Kona. What a shit result that is, third in, third in your age group. Uh, and he only got a second at Ironman Cairns that year. Outside of that, and he's every got four other four seconds race, when he first started. But out since... There's a one. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple when he was in 2008 and 2009. There's a couple of twos there. Uh, and he got second in the world championships in 2004. I think this year I did it. Yeah. Um, beast, mate. Absolute beast, but yeah, and but as much as that, as Bevan said, raised fifty five thousand um, dollars when he was fifty five um, to raise money for cancer research. Um, so yeah, we may well try to get him on for for an interview because that's pretty bloody impressive. Just seems and, like one of the good people of the sport, doesn't he? And now yeah. he's going out there and and helping this guy Sid James, a quadriplegic, um, to make it to to Kona. So awesome, good work. Well, uh, Kevin Ferguson, you right, are right. our. Age Gripper of the Week. week. Okay, website of the week. week. Now, Jonbo, I actually use this one all the time. So this one John's just come up with. It's an app. It's called Interval Timer. I've Mm -hmm. actually got the pro level. Have you? Yeah. Nice. I think it just gets rid of the ads, but it was only like eight bucks. Right, nice. So it was definitely worth getting. Interval Timer. So basically it's just a a timing app, but it's really good because you can program sessions in. Uh, And so basically all you do is you go in, and there are lots of apps like this, but this one does a pretty good job of it. Um, and you just go in, you can set up your workout, you can say what you want to do today, and yeah, it's simple. Just, and it beep, beeps away. So for example, often if I do core routines, I'm wanting to do sort of 45 seconds on, 15 seconds yep. off, you can just set it, it takes 20 seconds to set that up, and then you just have it on repeat cycle, gives you two beeps to start, one beep to finish, or whatever it is, and, and then you can just be going through the, the session rather than constantly looking at your watch so really simple I use the free version which is perfectly fine Bevan's got the paid version uh, it's called interval timer if you're doing any sort of core stuff or anything where it's rep- easily repeatable sort of numbers well, even, even like you know, for my coaches what we do is our coaches use it for when they're coaching because we do a strength circuit for our beginner runners mm-hmm. um, and they program they program in once it's programmed it's always there push start they beep so they're not looking at the watch when they're coaching. Mm. So it's really convenient. So the, the beep can just guide them through a session so they can actually coach the athletes, not look at their watch after session. Uh, and you go, and you do quite complicated sets as well. Nice. So like you can do, you know, you, I use it for Tabata, so you can just do like a 2010 um, times eight. But then you can do like, you can do one minute a set where it's one 
minute 15 seconds off and then the next set is two minutes and 30 seconds off and the next set's five minutes so you can actually do a range of sets within the pro- product um it is free and the free version is good enough i think i just bought and actually looking at it now they've gone to the subscription model so i probably wouldn't do that uh but i bought the full version before they went to that model and i think it was like eight dollars so you might be still have to get that but it is just good as john says takes the thinking out of the timing exactly okay three two one coaches, coaches corner what's happening jumbo well the reason i came up with today's one we've had quite a few pros on of late and there's um and there's been some really good interviews but I just want to ram home a few points that age group that age groupers aren't really pros. Uh, well, they're not pros, and the pros race in a slightly different way. So, just wanted to get a few things off my chest. Let's ram it home there, John. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd come up with two points for for each discipline. Um, partly, part some of this is because of the pros. Some of it is also because, like, racing at Coeur Lane this weekend, it was insanely hot. Um, so a few of the points relate to maybe dealing with events that are in the heat. So we'll start with the swim. Most times you're going to hear the pros talking and fast age groupers talking about starting fast. Um, and an Ironman, it, and, this, and I'm talking iron, iron distance here, I'm not talking short distance, um, you only want to start fast if you've practiced it quite extensively and you've got a really good reason for it. Otherwise, you're better off, especially these days with these stupid rolling starts, mm-hmm. uh, you're better off just settling in and just settling into your day rather than trying to smash it off the line and just use up a huge amount of energy for very, very little gain. So that's point number one with the swim. Um, point number two, you hear pros talking about this, and I see age groupers talking about it as well, is you know coming towards the end of the swim, I sort of pick the pace up a bit and, and bring it home strong in the swim. So uh, why? why? Why would you want to do that yeah. uh, in the final segment? And in fact, I would encourage people to do the complete opposite of that. If you're coming into the final segment of the swim, and by that stage, even with these rolling starts, you're probably going to have swimmers of fairly reason, fairly similar ability around you. What I'd be doing, I'd be jumping straight on somebody's feet yep. and just cruising it in, even if that means losing maybe 30 seconds, maybe even a minute. Um, because if you can just dip your heart rate right down and just cruise it in, then you're going to be in a much better position uh, going into the transition. And I would encourage people to have a look. I know you can't look at your heart rate in the swim, but when you're looking at your data after the race, have a look at what your heart rate does when you come out of the swim and when you're running to transition because most people's heart rate is absolutely through the roof. It's the highest heart rate you'll see all day. Oh. Uh, so I'd encourage you to have a look at that and that might help reinforce that point a little bit. And that kind of leads on to, to T1 is it's, it's comical standing at T1 and and Ironman seeing how hard people push between the swim exit and the bike uh, the start of the bike so again small gains for huge huge effort and again I tell you go back and look at your files and you'll see that most people are going to find their heart rate is extremely high so I'm not saying dawdle through transition but you want to be taking it reasonably comfortably so your heart rate is not going to be any higher than what it is throughout the the rest of the day. So chill in the swim, chill in T1. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bike points are going to be pretty quick because I was more focused on getting to the run. Uh, A lot of the pros we're interviewing, almost all of them, are saying they're not using devices these days um, when they're racing, so they're not already they're recording the data, 
but they're not really racing to power. And the pro race is completely different to the age group race. They're often in a big long pace line and the, uh, they're all similar ability and you're going to have a really high variability index. So that means there's going to be surges, there's going to be easy periods, you're going to be sitting up so you're not rolling into the draft zone. Now I know some of that happens in the age group race for sure, um, but the pros spend so much time training, they're so much fitter, um, they've got so much more experience, they kind of have got a much better idea on what their body can handle, whereas most of us, if you do one Ironman, maybe two a year, and if you're still new to the sport, you've only got a couple under your belt. Um, you and not many people do one or two a year. No, uh, yeah. no a lot, lot do. Yeah, um, most oh. do. New Zealand's a little bit different because we've only really got one race, okay. so um, elsewhere in the world, most people... In the in the iron distance world, do one or two a year. So, yeah, I would strongly encourage people to use your devices until you get to a point where you've nailed several Ironmans, and then you'll be able to get it. But in my coaching experience, most age groupers do not have a clue how to pace it, and if they go by perceived effort, it's going to be from a power output. It's going to be high to start progressively uh, falling away and then sort of struggling on the run even though it feels right. So I would, against what the pros say, strongly encourage everyone to use uh, devices, uh, especially power meters and heart rate monitors and know your heart rates. So this is really important for if you're going into hot weather races. So last weekend, Coeur Lane, temperatures were through the roof and if it stays that way for the, for the upcoming races, you need to know your heart rate numbers because power is not going to be necessarily the best indicator when it starts to really heat up because your heart rate is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder for you to generate that power. Final point, a couple of points on the run. Um, and this is more about trying to think rationally when you're on the run um, because it's really easy to throw your toys out of the cot when the wheels start to come off a bit. But trying to keep things rational. So um, a couple of numbers for you to keep in mind. If you're losing 15 seconds a kilometre over 21 kilometres, um, that's only five and a quarter minutes that you're going to lose in the second half of the run if you start to fade. So for those in the, the non-metric world, I guess, you know, say you might be losing 25 minutes a mile over the, that's probably similar. Uh, 25 seconds a K, 20 seconds. 20 to 25 seconds a yep. mile is yep. probably going to be about the same. So for most people, losing five and a quarter Small minutes on drop. the run, yeah. it's not, you know, I'm thinking from my own instances, if I was going out for an Ironman race these days, you know, I might be thinking, hopefully do about a 305, something like that. And if I ran a 310, I wouldn't be going, that's a disaster or anything like that, providing I'd had a reasonable swim and bike. And for if you're a mid or backpacker age grouper, five and a quarter minutes is nothing. Uh, equally, you know, even if you lose 30 seconds over the final 12Ks, you know, we all know when you get to that 20 mile mark or that 30K, around 30K mark, that's when it starts to get tough. If you start losing 30 seconds a kilometre over that there, you're only going to, again, lose six minutes. So really important to try to keep thinking rationally when you're well, out I think on that's the really, what's really important here is because often what happens is if we don't sit on the pace that we thought we could we just drop lip mm. we, you know we get to that place where we get despondent and so it's that thing of you go from oh, I was meant to be doing five minute k's and you can't sit on five minutes I'll bugger it so you're not doing six and a half mm. and so it's just and, and often I always think of you you, you go ABC so if I, if I can't do five what's a B well can I do 515 mm. you know I, one thing I talk to my runners about is the step back approach and a step back is if I can't maintain what I'm maintaining what's the next step back that I could maintain so can't sit on five could I sit on 515s Okay, sit on that for a while. Yep, I can maintain this. Or maybe not. Okay, what's the next step back? And so mm. you're just trying to find that point which is the best you can do based on, you know, 
where you are within yourself mm. instead of just because there's a lot of people they get to that moment it gets a bit hard and they they diminish their performance way too much way more than what's needed mm. Mm. and and especially i mean such a long day if you've had a good swim a good bike and you're only going to lose five minutes in the back half of the run you probably when you look back at it going that was a pretty good day and the main thing is get the finish line you put in the max effort that's the main thing um what and this is just a couple of other things uh some some losses that can be gains, especially when it's hot. God, I wrote a lot of typos in here. Bevan, how do you put up with it? Um, <laughs> so one thing that I suggested to a couple of athletes at the weekend, and I haven't actually caught up with them to see if they did it or not. So I'm in Coeur d'Alene, beautiful race. Man, it's a yeah. beautiful part of the world by the look of it. Not that I've ever been there, but the, the run is pretty much following the, the edge of a lake. And I was saying, you know what? I'd probably do if I was in your shoes. I'd probably go jump in that lake uh, at the towards the end of the first lap, and probably at the start or, or somewhere somewhere in the first lap, and then somewhere sort of midway through the second lap. Did they do it? Well, I don't. I haven't had a chat chance oh. to chat to them yet because they were up quite late last night. Um, but th- th- doing things like that, you don't. If if you exit and re-enter the course at the same point, uh, you don't get disqualified. I've, yeah, I've you, never, you probably I've, want to check. I've before. never tested this, yeah, yeah. But so you wouldn't want to check don't it. Don't fail because you listen to journalists and you check with your race directors if that's possible. But when it's that insanely hot, you just got to again think rationally. Going, okay, for me to go off that lake and submerge myself, and the lake's not going to be that hot, to get my core temperature down, to get my heart rate down, that might take me three minutes. Yep. Now you practice this before the race and and see if it's realistic. You would have to be extremely careful getting in and out of the lake uh, in terms of the access because you quite easily cramp up and completely lose it. Yep. But if you went in there, submerged yourself, you're going to feel fantastic when you come back out. It's going to lower your heart rate significantly. Now that's not going to last for that long, but if that lasts for, you know, 5Ks, if you're much more comfortable for 5Ks and then maybe, you know, 15Ks later or 10 miles later, you do the same, that may well be a very good investment of your time in terms of stopping your heart rate getting out of control plus mentally you'll go I've got something I can look forward to there so thinking again about being rational doing things like walking the climbs um, taking your time in aid stations uh, can really you're going that's costing me time but I'm actually going to gain time by not slowing down later on so yeah test that jumping in the lake formula if you're if you're going to be doing another smoking hot race somewhere that looks just stay calm Mm-hmm. You know, like it's easier a, said than done, though. Yeah, but people panic and they go to a desperate place and just learning to, you know, learning tools out in training that keep you in a good emotional state is such an, you know, because at the end of a race, you're just under so much stress mm. and learning to have a mental ability to go to a place where you're calm and, you know, just trying to make good decisions. It's, it's you know, because rational is easy when we're rational. You know, it's that thing of who are we when I'm tired? And when we're tired, it's it's often we do become irrational. So it's just that kind of learning, okay, I need to be calm right now and I need to go to a rational place and then what rational decisions can I make based on that? And we, Bevan and I go on and on about this, but do it as part of your race plan, then it, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to recall it than just um, having it in the back of your mind somewhere. So there you go. Don't listen to the pros. Go jump in a lake. <laughs> go jump Use your devices and uh, take it easy in the swim. So uh, you probably know this guy, um, Gavin. Gavin. Uh, he's, he's Alex, Alex, one of our coaches, is her partner, husband. Lives in Sumner, he's got a mohawk. Gavin Hawk. Uh, yeah. Right. He was a church athlete for a while. Yeah. He gets up and goes swimming in the ocean every morning at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Swam in the ocean this morning. Mm. Yeah. That is Nutbar. Yep. That would be Gavin. He, he, uh, he, he never, he never athlete, won Ironman New Zealand. 
Um, but I think he got on the podium a couple of times. So it's pretty good, was he? Yeah. 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 So, but four o'clock in the morning in the ocean without uh, a wet, without time? a wetsuit, I imagine too, probably. No, I think he's got a wetsuit. Really? He runs bare feet as well. And uh, he would never blanket right now, would he? No, he would not. <laughs> <laughs> so I was well impressed with that. <laughs> He's a lovely guy. Um, okay, number John, we're going Whaler of the week. And I'm going to say 49. 49. Yep. Why is 49? Well, because I like Jonathan Curry, first of all. And secondly, because Ross Taylor, not out 49. Nice. We'll be talking about that soon, John. Don't worry about that. You're wondering why the shows are running short. That's because uh, we've got things to talk about. Jonathan Curry, 15 hours of 23 minutes of training from 14 activities. Nice balanced week. Did five hours and nine minutes of uh, swimming, six hours of riding, and four hours and 14 minutes of running. I tell you what, he looks like a good family man. He's got the baby photo. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the dad photo. He's got the friend photo. Yeah. He's got the someone it's in the background who you don't quite see. Maybe it's, oh, it's another friend photo. It's the pool boy at the pool photo, yeah. the bike photo. Yeah, he's got he's got good photos. I like yeah. the photos. Uh, he is from England and the UK. Uh, don't know exactly where, but let's see if I can find a picture. Total Tri Training Club. Yeah, that's with Nick Rose in that, I think, isn't it? Was oh, it? Yeah, there you go. I'm sure it is. Well, there you go. He's with Nick Rose. Okay, he got, looks like he's got a watt bike there. He runs a lot of his baby. I'm looking at all his photos. He runs a lot right. of his baby. The baby's looking freezing as. He's out there in the cold weather. Got the deer, got the bulls. He's Last week, he had the third, his third fastest time on the sheep climb. Now, let's see. I'm just scanning out to see where he lives. He lives near Stockport and uh, lives near Manchester. So just outside Manchester in the UK. There you that, go. That's not Patrick Langer, is it? No, no. This is a race where he's racing oh. next to somebody. I thought maybe it's Patrick Langer, but it's not Patrick Langer, is it? No. You'd be pretty happy if you got a picture. Well, I think it is. Maybe be passing him. Yeah. You know, like that old today. If that would be a good time to get a photo, you're doing a race, like you're getting lapped by like Cam Brown or something, and you just run beside them. Your friend do the photo, oh, so you have a sprint finish. I tell you what, I, what, I, what, I had Cord Lane on just on the the sidelines when I was working yesterday. Yeah. And oh, just when I want something. Uh, and the, the the female pro who was leading Fenella Langridge, she was running along, and she just gets annihilated by another female coming past. Oh, really? Who must have been a pro? Who must have been uh, a lap down? Because this chick just smoked her. They said maybe it was that Ashley Paulson, but she only ran a three thirteen, which was a similar time. Maybe she went out like the clappers. My God, <laughs> she was let down and she just went past you like she was standing still and she was going a reasonable pace. So, sorry, I digress. We are getting away from Jonathan Curry, who is our winger, winger of, of the, the week. week. Okay, questions and, and answers. answers. Okay, John, so we've got a few questions and answers here. First of all, Paul McMahon has got here. Just boys, I just wanted to give a heads up about an event. A friend and training buddy of mine is once again organising and participating in. It's called... The Bloody Long Day. It's a brainchild of Ironman endurance athlete, athlete Mark Pacey. Uh, in short, it's the third year of the Bloody Long Day, a 24-hour continuous triathlon to raise funds and awareness for kids' cancer. He has a good story and may be worth having a chat to him if you're interested. The BLD will take place in September after Mark completes Ironman Australia. It's got a link to, I'll put a link to it in our show notes. John Bow. so basically it's continuous, so it's round and round, is it? That is impressive. Yeah, last time it looks like he raised $43,000. So 
And is it so? Do you know what he's doing? Have they got the distances? Uh, like, is it just do loops? I did look at this, but it was last week. So, do you want to pause so we can give people some actual no, proper no. news here? Uh, but <laughs> he doesn't want to pause. <laughs> okay, Sorry, pause. Mark. Uh, okay, I'll pause. I'm pausing for you, Mark, because you're a good man. Here we go. Here's a pause. And we are back, and we can't quite figure it out. But, but basically, it's got here on, on the kind of fundraising pages. His bloody long days, two elements to do Ironman Australia, and then complete 24 hours of bloody long day triathlon, September 25th, which is basically. Oh, there we go. Two weeks Row, after. ride, and run eight hours each for a total of 24 oh, hours okay, continuous. So it's just continuous exercise. Not just, it is, which is bloody impressive. And raising money for a good cause. So good on him. Yeah, you are uh, a legend. And then the next one is from Greg Irving. Uh, he's got here, Ironman have put, uh, oh, okay, this is pretty interesting actually. Ironman have put in clear deferral process for athletes qualifying for Kona. However, many, many legacy athletes have been left in the lurch of Ironman not responding to emails from this group who are amongst uh, the, uh, the most valuable customers. Can you shed some light on the situation? Love the show. So he's got no. We can't shed any light on the situation, but no. I would I'll give I man a bit of a bit of a plug here because it's it's really well spelt out for the qualifying athletes. And if you qualify, these are your options, which I think is really good. What they've done, and if for example you're a Kiwi and you qualify before April, then if it, if you can't get there or if the race doesn't happen, then it explains where you can be deferred to so it spells out that for each different region and it is based on when you qualify if you qualify from this point on and if the race is on and you choose not to go then you're kind of stuffed but if you had pre-qualified before that then you're in a slightly better position in terms of the deferrals but um, the beef here is the legacy athletes sound like um, in this case they're not really getting that information um, for, for what their options are I feel for Iron Man in this situation because it's communication. Come on, it is communication. That's what I'm so about to say. I was about to say okay. you feel for them because you, you, at the moment they won't have a clue how many people are going to be rocking up to Kona. You have all these different athletes who qualify in all different parts of the world. Um, however, your legacy athletes are the ones that have done bloody twelve Ironmans, yeah, and, and yeah. you need to have the staff in place to be able to simply answer emails saying. Even if you don't know the answer, you just respond and yeah. saying, we don't really know what the hell is going to happen over the next two years. We're going to have to wait until the end of 2021 and then we'll be able to give you a bit more clarity. But you just kind of need to communicate, especially the, those legacy athletes who are your most valuable customers who are probably going to keep on racing. there this year? Sorry? I think there'll be a lot there this year. Yeah. Because it's going to be an American-dominated race this year from, from an age group point of view. The pros will be pretty much business as usual to a degree you know um uh but age groupers you know so there won't be any kiwis there there won't be any aussies well there'll be very few kiwis and aussies and if you're in europe are you going to want to travel this year well, well what greg's here is please take a look at the colonial legacy facebook group which i unfortunately he did send me the link to that but i haven't joined it so i can't see but obviously there's some frustration in there uh, for evidence of the widespread frustration we totally appreciate the complexity of the situation but some clear communication would be really helpful hmm. so you know they're not asking much but hmm. tell you what when you get that legacy you just want to get there first of all hmm. so patience is needed from the, those people but at the same time just you know Put and you have to keep wall. clipping the ticket once when you're in that legacy That's zone. Right. You've got to keep doing you've got to one keep every year. Hanging in there with doing one every year. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, okay. Uh, lastly, just good old Pike. 
I think it's Pike Reardon, just said best athlete name of all time, uh, Usain Bolt's <laughs> name is Twins Thunder and St. Leo. Mm. Thunderbolt. Mm. <laughs> it's That's just super. Amazing athlete. Is this, is this his real name, Bolt, or did he change it to Bolt? Um, I'm sure. I've... I don't know. I assume this is always his name, but I haven't really given it any I'm thought. I'm going to find out. Is Usain Bolt his mm. real name? You, you talk about something else about Usain Bolt. Um, I'll just... Um, Here's a question for you. Would you rather be the fastest marathon runner or the fastest runner? So would you rather be Usain Bolt or like a... Uh, I would probably rather be the marathoner, I think. No, no particular reason. Uh, is his uh, name. We had the latest weather report. It's starting to clear up out there. Wind is eased a little bit. Oh, well, My main again. concern is whether I can get out of Bevan's uh, very steep driveway if there's too much sort of snow and gritty you stuff. You have a bike? No, I haven't. I have. Uh, I should be okay. And I've got a yeah. four-wheel drive. I should be okay. I was a little worried when I was driving down there and it was completely white. I was going, I hope like hell I can get out of here. Bevan's little access side road is extremely steep, but about 20, 20 plus percent. Yeah, it's a bitch driving and riding up there, I tell you. Okay, you sound, uh, St. Leo is his middle name. Right. Bolt was born in 86 in Sherwood Content, a uh, small town in Jamaica. He's blah, 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 but people, blah, blah. so blah, you, blah. his nickname was Lightning Bolt. So yeah. he's basically given his uh, his kids his name. So the normal name of St. Leo and his nickname of Lightning. So there you go. Well, so there's Thunder. He didn't call him Lightning. He called him Thunder. Thunderbolt, was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in that case. In that case. Not acceptable. <laughs> I'm just on you. Okay, uh, let's go patrons, John. David, Crazy Fire Haywood. We've got Cam, the Magic Man, Hanson. Andrew, Too Smooth Mod. Evan, Despicable Me, Queer. Uh, Jombo, we've got a new one. We have. Uh, Ian Banks. Ian Banks. Sent over a picture when he did the 70.3 oh, Eagle Man. he looks like he's had a hard day at the office. Last weekend. He's originally from Southend in England, but moved to Maryland in the US in 2004. It started nice. swimming and running for a, uh, to sort of complement his cycling. Did a few sprints and Olympics before doing his first Ironman in 2006 in Florida. Went to a 70.3 World Championships and did a few more Ironmans with a best of 9.44. That's not too shabby. Moved to Xterra in 2015 and qualified for Worlds in Maui. Nice work. Four times. Even better work. Completed there twice in 2015-2017. Still trying to figure out uh, if I'll go this year after qualifying in May. Recently got back in the 70.3 racing at Eagle Man with a new course PB at age 43 a new 10-year age group PB I like your work he's been listening yep, yep. Uh, of four hours 20 and second in the age group at Ironman Maryland um, so and he also gets to go in the Ironman Maryland Hall of Fame for doing eight uh, after an eight-year Ironman hiatus uh, he also owns and this is an important part Parvilla Par Cycles since 2011 in Anna. Polis and our Annapolis in Maryland. Check us out at parvillacycles.com and Parvilla Cycles on all the usual social media channels. Had a look at their website, it looks really cool. It's got yeah. so a big range of bikes. Um, do some custom bikes as well. So if you really wanted to check that out, um, go to Parvilla Cycles, especially if you're in the Maryland area. So nice work. He's got the uh, custom bike shop tri suit having just finished, and he is grimacing after recently finishing Iron Man 70.3 Eagle Man got any ideas here Bevan we can't go money banks because I think we've got another um, patron with the surname banks um, and we've gone like Mr Money or something like that yeah uh, 
Banks. His last name Banks, is Banks. it? Banks. Oh, the lender. Banks. No. Um, um, let's pause. I got it, John. I got, I got it. it. Cashing in. Cashing in. Yes. Ian Cashing in Banks. Because <laughs> he cashes in the good results. He cashes in with this great business and looking after his local community. And he's cashing in because he's a good supporter of the show. So Ian Cashin and Banks. Very good. Thanks for uh, supporting the show, Ian. Yeah, thanks so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And it's all the patrons of the show. If you are a patron of the show, thank you so much. And if you want to become a patron like Ian Cashing and Banks, go to www.iamtalk.me. You put your details in. You go through the process and you support the boys, get a gift and so on. Uh, you can just get your show email to your front page. Coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, Bevan James Isles. I released a really good podcast with the author of Mental Fitness, Dr. Paul Woods yesterday so you want to check that out it's a re- great podcast it's one of those we'll probably end up putting up here eventually sounds good uh, to me it was really great um, and then other content age group week, cool websites other stuff Podcast at gmail.com John you guys I'm so tired so tired you can, oh, so you're I, still getting over the cricket are you still well, different well, time zone okay so last week was a, so I committed to the cricket and oh yeah. my god am I glad I did <laughs> Because so we, we would have talked about it last week. It was the World Test Championship final. Test cricket is five days long. In this case, they allowed an extra day. Um, and you, you basically got to have two turns at bat and two turns at bowling, and you got to try to get the. And if you're a purist cricket lover, you love Test cricket. And mm. most people who don't, don't understand cricket go, a Why would you have a sport with a draw at the end? And B, which doesn't happen a lot nowadays. And it's probably not that dissimilar to watching, say, a four series game baseball or something like that for, for American listeners. Yeah. You know, baseball goes on for quite a while. but if Yeah, like go, a game of cricket, it's a day, so they play for about six hours, don't yeah. they? So you'd six say four, 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 four days of baseball and whoever comes out with the most runs is the winner. Yeah. So kind of con- that's not really a great way to explain it, but good <laughs> enough. So um, in New Zealand, so New Zealand traditionally is a cricket team. We've always kind of, you know, there's kind of 10 teams in the world we're, and at best we're kind of fourth. You know, in the past, best. you know, well, no, the Hadley era, mm. we, we were pretty good then. But outside of that, we weren't, we've never really been a good cricket team. And in the last seven or eight years, we just got better and better and better. And then in the one day World Cup, we got robbed of yeah. the of the win because what basically what happened was both teams drew, mm. and so they they out of nowhere they said, "Here's how we we're determining the winner." It was basically the, who hit the most fours in the last game, but no one even knew that going into the game because because mm. they there was a draw, they had an extra time. There's another draw, so they said this team's a winner. So the other team didn't actually win, mm. but we didn't win the tournament, and it, yeah. it hurts my heart to this day, John. <laughs> so we turn up to the Chess World Championship. We're playing India. No one's backing us. The Australian captain said we haven't got a shit show. It's like Patrick Langer going into the World Championships. That's me, right. Me going, you got no chance. <laughs> And, uh, but we have got a very good team and it was a great game of sport. Like it was on edge and went down to the last day. Mm. I basically had no sleep that night. And by, by Thursday, so the last day I got up at 2.30 in the morning and watched from then. Mm. By Thursday afternoon I had all these big plans for my day. I, I oh, lay on no. the couch. I was, like, I, was, I was a zombie. Mm. But God, it was worth it. It was. It was probably one of my favourite sporting highlights of my life. Yeah. It's just the underdog taking on the bloody... They've got their their top player would earn more money than the entire sport in New Zealand entire yeah. by by quite some margin. Yeah. He's a well, and also star. India has one point three billion people. New Zealand has five million. They were saying that New Zealand has the least amount of cricket players mm-hmm. um, in any of the top ten nations. Mm-hmm. So not even just per head of population, just least amount. So 
you know, we should be the fourth best team at the world at our best. So the fact we win this tournament was pretty bloody cool. It was yes. awesome. And we've just got a stellar team right now. Our bowling lineup is just, oh, John, I was loving it. Mm, yep. So it was good. We got so the second half of last week was a write off, but it was worth it. Good. I'm going to once. Are you going to once? Because you're a member? Yes. When are you going to that? Friday. I oh, sure love it. Mm. Download the music now and listen to it. Once. Well, because it's a, a musical. So well, so once the musical is it was based off a movie. Mm-hmm. So the movie came out years ago and it won the best musical movie. But the movie was basically a couple of guys, pretty budjo production. But it's amazing. But the soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And if you know the music going into the play, you'll love it. The soundtrack's a beautiful soundtrack. Okay. So if you know the music going into the play, you'll love it. So this week, if you can, smash it out because you'll enjoy the play even more. Very good. Yep. So, um, What's been happening in my yeah. world, Bevan? Uh, my daughter did the 40-hour family yeah, on the weekend. So she did the run? Did 40 kilometres over the weekend, which I was not necessarily approving of um, because I thought she was going to get injured. She doesn't seem to have been too injured from it. <laughs> she, so she, my daughter, is 12, and she did a 14K run with Belinda on Saturday and then a sort of 5 or 6K run, a walk in the afternoon. And then the day then on Sunday, took her up the hill. We did 14Ks in the hills on the trails and then did a sort of 5 or 6K walk in the afternoon, 40Ks over the weekend. Jeez. Which was pretty impressive. Was she buggered? No, she wasn't. And she was dropping me at the start of our 14K run and then she was getting all pissed off at me for being so slow. <laughs> so I had to try to slow her down a little bit. No, she did very well. So that was my weekend. Did that and did a running race and my God, that's the worst I've performed in a while. So I'm going to have to... I uh, just... I knew I was one week. I knew I should have had an easier week last week, but I wanted to go one more week because yep. I wanted to have an easier week this week. And uh, when you start a running race, and it was a cross country, it was muddy as hell, and you you did five laps of this hill circuit, and you hit the first hill, and your legs are <laughs> buckling underneath you. It's like, it's not just it was misery. <laughs> Uh, so that was if I was this it was ten k's. It was horrific. Oh really? So so did you just give up. Um, to a degree, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair so I'm going to rectify that in the next couple of weeks. So, so that was uh, that was my weekend, Bevan. Uh, yeah, boss. Yeah. What about this week? This week, no, nothing too much going on. I went and did an investigation. Any Kiwis? Uh, so I've just announced all the national series events. I've got. A, I'm hosting at least one down here in Christchurch, and it will be. An awesome course. So if you are looking for an Olympic distance race, it's going to in be Christchurch. Uh, it's going to be just outside Christchurch on the 30th of January. It's also going to be the same weekend as the Sail GP. So if you like America's oh, Cup racing, yeah. that's on that weekend. And I've kind of got a bit of a clash where I'm running a triathlon on Saturday, Sunday morning, but you come and watch it on Saturday, you come and watch it on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Sail GP is this amazing yacht racing. It's looks high speed. It looks awesome. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. I've watched mm. a couple of the races. It looks pretty hectic. And this triathlon I'm organising is going to be an epic course. John, I have got some other goals actually. Mm. So the band played again on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Full set. Each time we're getting better. So it's yeah. good. I'm very anal at filming and recording mm-hmm. and uh, it's all progressing in the right direction. But one thing I've discovered, John, because I don't really hang out with drunk people much. Mm-hmm. You know, like my life is... Sometimes, you know, sometimes when my mates will have a bit of a, a night, night out and they'll get on the turfs, but it's never messy. It's not even every weekend occurrence. No, and, and, and uh, you, know, that's, it, you know, it is what it is. But when you play in a band, you have to play in pubs. And one thing I've discovered about drunk people mm-hmm. is, and, and they're very positive, like we're getting really good feedback about our playing and stuff, mm-hmm. but they like speaking very closely to you. 
Right. You know? Yeah. So we played on Saturday, on Friday night and we had a good set and it was um again it was kind of a step forward in the right direction. And uh it was it was a pretty small pub and it wasn't that busy, but it was you know, it was it was basically like an open mic, but we're in the feature band again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just trying to get our chops up, so we're just trying to play as much as possible live because you can practice, but playing live is different. Um, and so afterwards, there's about four people came up to me, and people were just weren't people we knew. Really nice, really positive, telling us really good stuff. But oh my god, were they speaking <laughs> like basically yeah. like they're about to give me the kiss the whole time? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you, 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 you try to move away. And they follow you. Yeah. Keep stepping into your space, yeah. your personal space. Dr- run, drop people do random things. So like, there's, after Rust, there was another guy who got up and he got over, he was just like a solo act. So he was a guitarist, just a acoustic singing. He was really good. This real drunk guy just got up and started playing drums. Mm. Now, don't think he's ever had a drum lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, the guy, who was, and the guy who was playing the guitar just, I'd be like, get this idiot off stage. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm opening myself up to a new world, John. Yeah. And it's oh, a world God, that's, yeah likes to speak really closely to you. Very good. Yeah. So, <sighs> interesting stuff. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.